0: Lord, to open my lips that my mouth may proclaim your praise. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. In John's Gospel, we hear today, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. I read through that and I think, wow. Uh, How many other things? And we have such a glorious account of those things that he did do. And yet it's a small percentage of all that Jesus taught and did when he was alive walking the dusty pathways of Galilee and Judea. But, John says, I've written down these things so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. What is life in his name for those who believe? Well, we're here um, in our gospel story The Lord Jesus has appeared to the women as the sun rises on the first day of the week, on that first Easter morning. And they've gone back and told the disciples, we've seen the Lord. And the disciples have said, "Mm, don't believe you. It's the evening of that very same day, sunset, and the Lord appears to the disciples behind closed doors. And he comes in. Let's just look a minute at the the progression of what happens here. What's the first thing that Jesus does when he appears? They've not believed the women's message. He knows that. What is the first thing that he says? He says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. The very first thing that Jesus gives is peace. And then he shows them himself. He shows them the wounds of the torture and the crucifixion. Look, he says, it's really me. They can recognize him. He's not a phantasm, he's not a ghost, he's not a spirit. He is flesh and blood that can be seen and can be touched. The same and yet different, because the wounds that he bore on the cross are still there, but they do not pain him any more. There's a new physicality in this body. It goes between heaven and earth, the realm of heaven and the realm of earth, and there's no separation for this body. It's a new physicality that moves between God's realm, between heaven's place and earth's place. It's not constrained by the same dimensions as a purely earthly body is. It can move and yet is still a physical body. And he appears and he says, look, it is I. Now if this is true, if he had died and he is fully resurrected, not resuscitated, He has not been brought back into an old human way of being. He is a resurrected body, completely different, the first time and the only one to date who has received a different resurrected body. As I said last week, Lazarus was resuscitated. The son of the widow of Nain was resuscitated. The daughter of the synagogue leader was resuscitated. All of them eventually died. This is very different. It's a resurrected body. The first fruits of the resurrection that we will all receive when Jesus returns And there is a new heaven and a new earth. And so again he says to disciples, if you've seen this, this is the power of God that what was dead is now raised to new life, to a different life. A heaven and earth intersected life that can go between heaven and earth not constrained as a merely human, earthly body can. If this is true, and it is, then peace, peace be with you. There is no longer any need to fear anything, because this is your promise also. This is your inheritance also. And then what he does is he sends them out on a mission. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. So I send you. And then immediately he breathes on them and says, Receive the Holy Spirit. Because he sends them not in their own strength. We are never sent in our own strength to do God's work and God's will. We're only ever sent in the power of his Holy Spirit. And the fullness of that Holy Spirit comes on the disciples 50 days later at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit appears on them as tongues of fire. And the fullness of the Holy Spirit comes upon them and we receive that fullness of the Holy Spirit in baptism also. We receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit that a portion of which Jesus is giving to the disciples in this upper room as they have been cowering behind these closed doors no more, no more fear. No more anxiety, because if God has done this, then there is nothing to fear. We need not fear even death itself. Nothing can frighten us anymore. And so, but who is not there? <laughs> Thomas is not there. Thomas called the twin, who has come down the ages to us as doubting Thomas, um, I don't know if any of you are on Facebook, you might have seen um, a cartoon that was posted this week and there are the disciples there and Thomas is is talking to them and he said, well, you weren't called denying Peter. Why do I have to be called doubting Thomas? And and Peter turns to Thomas and says, just get over it, Thomas. (laughs) We do, we know him as doubting Thomas, but I think that's a comfort for us, isn't it? It's a comfort, you know, He says, I need to see it for myself, I need to put my finger in there. And so the women have told the disciples, the disciples haven't believed, Jesus has arrived at the disciples, Thomas doesn't believe, and Jesus comes again a week later and he says, put your hand in my hand, see, it's really me, you can touch me, it's flesh and blood. You can touch me and you can see. And then I think slightly tiding, maybe. He says, you believe because you have seen. How blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. You know that the Lord has blessed you in advance for your belief. It says so right here. Blessed are those who have believed and not seen. He's poured his blessing on everyone who believes in him and yet has not seen him. And as we look at this progression of what happens in this upper room, I think that's what happens to us. Maybe the first time when we come to belief in Christ But I think it keeps happening to us. When we start to wander away and the freshness of our faith starts to fade, the Lord comes again and his first word is peace. It's never a wagging of the finger. It's never recrimination. It's never judgment. It's never why didn't you. It's peace. Peace. Be with you. And then he reveals himself to us deeper and deeper and deeper in this heavenly, earthly place where he resides. Because those two are knit together in him. Because in that heavenly, earthly place, we are restored to our perfect humanity. Because he comes to restore us to wholeness. So that we also get to partake of this heavenly, earthly body. It's new life. It's a different life. It's not the life we're born with. It's a different kind of life. These are written, says John, so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. What is that life? The life in his name. In Florence, Italy, at the time of Michelangelo, there was this stunningly brilliant artist And he worked really, really hard over a piece of marble to bring forth a beautiful statue, marble statue of an angel. And when he'd finished it, he looked all the way around to make sure that it was perfection itself. He looked all the way around. And then he asked Michelangelo, the great master, to come out and to see his great masterpiece And so the master came and he spent a long time looking at this beautiful marble statue of the angel, spent a long time looking at every single contour of the face and the body and the arms and the wings and finally he said, it lacks only one thing. And he went away and the artist was crestfallen and he spent sleepless nights wondering what was it that he'd done wrong. What was that one thing that the master artist had seen that he had not seen and finally he couldn't stand it any longer and so he went to Michelangelo and he said, what is it, what is the one thing that my work lacks, please tell me, I must know. And Michelangelo responded, it's perfect in every detail. Your work is magnificent. It only lacks one thing, life itself. Now the master could pay no greater homage to an artist, but the artist knew that without life, the best he could ever achieve was to convert an ugly mass of stone into a beautiful mass of stone. But life was the essential ingredient that his creation lacked. We're born into life, but this ordinary life dies. But we receive new life in Christ, a different life in Christ. May has been Put together by the master craftsman. Beautiful. He has made her in her mother's womb. Perfection. And she will come into this new life in Christ through these waters. A heaven, earth life. Joined together. Paul says, We are residents of earth but citizens of heaven. Our inheritance is kept safe for us in the heavenly places. Last week we heard in the epistle to the Colossians that our life is hid with Christ in God. Peter in today's epistle says that we have in the heavenly realm, which we can't see because we're separated by the veil, but it's a parallel, intersecting realm. It's God's place of being. And because of Christ, we get to enter into God's place of being because our sins have been forgiven. And he says, In this we have an imperishable inheritance being kept safe for us in the heavenly realm that is undefiled. It cannot be tainted or stained. It is unfading. It does not lose its brightness and glory for it is being kept in heaven safe for us, protected by the power of God through faith. You see, everything that we do that is Christ's work, that is God's work, we don't see that. We don't see the outcomes of that, but it's an inheritance that is being kept safe for us in the heavenly realm, protected by God himself through faith. It's faith, says St. Peter, that is the anchor that holds us firmly in this living hope that we have. We have the living hope of heaven's realm, of eventually heaven and earth coming together, made new at the end of the age in Jesus Christ when he returns. And how do we uphold that faith? The psalmist says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not fall. My heart, therefore, is glad and my spirit rejoices. My body also shall rest in hope. But Peter's quite clear we won't be strangers to suffering. There will be suffering on this journey. He says, for the quality of our faith will be burnished by suffering various trials, like gold tested by fire. But our faith to God is so much more precious than gold. He's blessed us for our faith, and it is precious, precious in his sight. And it will be revealed as glory at the end of the age. But for now, we rest in that living hope into which we've been born, into which May is to be born. And as a people of both heaven and earth, whose lives are hid with Christ in God, protected by the power of God, receiving the outcome of our faith, which is the salvation of our souls. Thanks be to God.